Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to be talking about TV pitch documents and whether you're sending a one pager to a competition or a pitch Bible to a production company will demystify what exactly goes into those documents as well as some elements to improve how you communicate that vision for your show. <laughs> Welcome to our Paper Scraps segment. And first up, Alex. Yes, uh, the first thing I want to bring up today is something I didn't really mention in last week's episode because we were busy with WonderCon, which we're back from. Yay, how was the con, Nick? <laughs> It was amazing. It was great. And uh, my 2018 TV spec lists are now available on TV Calling. And everyone keeps asking me uh, time after time, when are they coming out? When are they coming out? Well, you can breathe a sigh of relief because they are here now. So go on TV Calling or just, frankly, Google TV spec script list to find the newest or hottest version for both drama and comedy. And we had a voicemail from Harold. Hey guys, my name is Harold Abrams and I'm calling from New York City. So my question for you is, as far as screenwriting contests, if you've written a half hour dramedy, should you enter it in the drama or comedy category? And I asked because last year I entered Austin and after reading their submissions suggestions, I ultimately entered into the comedy category. The notes I got back were, this is not a comedy. I love writing the half-hour single-camera format that is mostly dramatic with notes of comedy. For example, a big inspiration is Nurse Jackie. What do you guys think of submitting one half-hour dramedy in a comedy category? That is a great question, Harold. Um, I would say that you almost always want to enter it into the category that's defined by its format, and that is half an hour or one hour, you know, 30 pages or 60 pages, regardless of its content. And that's mainly because the readers are going to be expecting that for that category. And even though, yes, there is nuance and some comedies can be an hour and some dramas can be a half hour, it's all a rich tapestry, uh, you want to give yourself <laughs> the best chance to do well in that competition. And you don't do that by surprising a reader with twice as many pages as they thought they had to read. Um, some of them will write you off immediately the second they open it up and see that page count. Even if it's the other way around, they'll see 30 pages in the drama category and go, oh, they submitted into the wrong category and immediately kind of prejudice you because of that. I think that's that's just my two cents. It's unfortunate that you had that experience with uh, you know, your, your comedy in Austin, but it's um, I still think you did the right thing. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Nick on this topic. The those boundaries between genres uh, are something we can spend an entire episode talking about, and maybe we'll be doing that in a future episode. But the practical reality of TV and one of its main differences from features, let's say, is that specific structure and format are part of the medium. You know, like Nick said, 30 pages, 60 pages. So half hour versus one hour really defines what your script is. And frankly, what kind of TV writer you are. We, we've already spent, I don't know how many episodes talking about that distinction. In fact, our second episode was about declaring your TV major, so to speak, comedy versus drama. Now, when it comes to competitions, to be honest, a lot of those, including AFF, hire kind of a mixed bag of readers who may or may not know what they want out of those scripts. So if you get a poor read uh, or poor reader, uh, that's kind of bad luck. It's not really uh, an indictment on your script, but more so an expectation from the reader. And you can't really control that. And as always, you can leave us a voicemail at paperteam.co slash voicemail. Let's dig into pitch documents. And in this episode, we will not be talking about verbal pitches, rather actual documents you'll either leave behind or use as a launchpad for your presentation, or even documents you may be sending to competitions asking for pitch documents like the Sundance Episodic Lab. And first off, what would you define as a pitch document? 
I would say a pitch doc is a written document that lays out the need-to-know elements and unique vision for a TV series. Yeah, and they come in either different formats or even different terms. Uh, so can you lay those out for us? Yeah, I think the more common ones you're going to hear about are a one-pager, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like, everything <laughs> distilled down to, to one brief page. And then there is a slightly longer version of that, often called a two-pager. It, it might be a little bit more than that every now and then. And then the most common one and perhaps the most extensive one is what they'll call a pitch Bible. Some people might call it a show Bible, a story Bible, a series Bible, but essentially it's a full document communicating everything everything you need to know about the series, uh, including the characters, the setting, the story engine, arcs, etc. Yeah, and just to clarify, the, the that Bible, that pitch Bible, is the document you'll be sending out for pitches. Or even some companies or competitions require a certain number of pages, although a lot of Bibles don't really have that set limit. That's not to be confused with story Bibles or series Bibles, which are more reference guides that writers or writers' rooms will have to refer to maybe characters or pronunciation or a timeline of events. I mean, if you have a one-pager and two-pager. A pitch Bible is probably going to be anywhere from five pages to 15, 20 pages, whereas those big actual show documents could be 80, 100 pages or more. Um, some other common pitch documents, I guess you could say, that we're not going to be covering are a pitch deck, which is usually a, a very visual, heavy kind of document. Sometimes it's on a larger format, like an A3 and bound, uh, and you know, really glossy paper, high production value. It kind of communicates the tone and the feel of the show, the big headlines and images and and mood that they're going for. Mm, I think we have one in the background to really set the mood every time we record an episode. <laughs> yes, we have a pitch deck for paper tea. <laughs> no. Uh, and the other one, which is not a document so much, but uh, it, what's it's what's called a sizzle or sizzle reel or even a ripomatic. Uh, and that is actual edited footage, like a short film almost, or a fake trailer um, to communicate again in, in a more visual and impactful way what you're going for with your show. Yeah, all those are truly visual documents. So in this episode, we want to talk about the pitch document, the actual thing you'll be writing, uh, whether it's one page, 15 page, whatever it is, uh, to convey that vision for the show. And throughout this episode, we'll also be referring to specific pitch documents of existing shows. Uh, some of them you can find online if you just Google them, and some not. So either way, we will not be sharing those documents in the show notes because, well, reasons, legal reasons. So you can just enjoy the ride. <laughs> Let's talk about the content of the pitch. And first off, what should you be including in that document? It really just depends on what stage in the process of pitching you are. Is this the first time anyone else has seen it other than you, the writer, and you're perhaps just trying to get a producer or a production company attached? Or are you a little bit further down the road and you're trying to attract directors or talent? Are you way down the road and you're kind of pitching around to sell it to the studios and the networks? So, you know, you may want to t tailor slightly uh, what you're including to suit different purposes. There's no real one size fits all pitch document. Yeah. We can't really be super prescriptive about what that document is for you. However, broadly speaking, there are some major elements you will want to include in that pitch document. And we'll keep going back to that idea that the point of a pitch document is to highlight the vision of your show as well as explain what your show is about. So we'll talk more about the formatting and the expression of those elements in later in this episode, but let's go over some of those elements you'll find in that document. All right, so the elements you're going to find in pretty much every pitch talk are your logline. I mean, that one's obvious. Keep it short. Try one sentence, I would say. Uh, the format or genre, for example, a one-hour prestige cable drama suitable for HBO or Netflix. Uh, you're going to want to include an overview or synopsis of the, the show, just a general kind of introduction to the premise and the setup. You're going to want to talk about the themes of the show. Uh, also the characters of the show. You can split them up into your core characters and your supporting if you want. Um, the tone and the style of the show or the mood 
include, as we said earlier. Uh, you're going to want an overview of your pilot episode specifically, because that's very important, uh, and as well as ideas for future episodes, whether those are just kind of vague areas or they're actual log lines for episodes you have planned down the line. You're also going to want to have some story and character arcs for season one and beyond. And if your show is a little more procedural or hard reset, you're going to want to define the series engine. Each week, XYZ happens. Now, your pitch mandate may vary, but essentially those are the most important areas to cover. Uh, and some of them may be blended together or changed to fit that format. But you can even adapt those beats into kind of an impromptu in-person 20-minute pitch. I know I said we wouldn't talk about in-person pitching, but I think it's worth pointing out that Brian Fuller once discussed his own in-person pitch format, which can be applicable to the document itself. So it boils down to the following. You start with a teaser that grabs the audience and gives a sense of the world, the tone, and the setup of the show. Then you move to the world itself and why you want to do a show about it. You then transition into characters in order of importance, expressing what makes each one distinct, including character dynamics and each point of views. And then you go into the broad strokes of the rest of your pilot. These are the key plot points establishing characters and set up as well the format of what a typical episode would look like. Now, this is an element I, I don't see in all pitch documents, but it is important to highlight that typical episode. And after that, you do move on to the bigger picture. You can describe the series as a whole, where you want to go in the stories, arcs, etc. And then you go out hitting once again the tone of your show, maybe even within the frame of other existing properties. Some agencies also have given out formats to some of the clients in terms of advice on structuring their pitch document, which I may read on air in future episodes if there's a demand for it. But since they follow more or less that same broad strokes ideas, I don't want to repeat the same points. Now, there are some other vital, but perhaps a little more amorphous elements that you need to include. So they might not be as easy as just putting their own little subheading and, and saying this, but uh, this is something you either want to weave throughout everything else or address directly. And the first of that is what makes this show different or special or unique? What sets it apart from what's already out there? Yeah, and that's a key part of pitching and even framing that pitch, which I'll get to more in the next section. But you may understand, for example, Game of Thrones now because you've been bombarded with the images for the show over the years, but there was no way to pitch Game of Thrones initially without referencing something like Lord of the Rings multiple times. So consider the simple fact that to quickly understand something, it's easier to compare and contrast that thing to other elements rather than make it from whole cloth. Now that said, using other shows or concepts or other expectations in your pitch does not mean you should only rely on that. It's easy to spend paragraphs after paragraphs listing what your show is not like rather than what it really is about. Yeah, people always talk about this it's X meets Y paradigm for pitching, but that only gets you so far. It's nice to have those touchstones and tonal references, but you also need to elaborate on how your show does something that neither of those shows did or could. You know, what unique angle or take do you have on a cop procedural or a workplace comedy that we've never seen before? What will, you know, marketing department latch onto? What's the hook? Or if it's not some easily summarizable high concept, what character elements or setting or topic that has never been seen before, at least recently, um, do you have or you know, at least is presented in quite this way? The next element we want to highlight is the why now? Why now, Nick? Why now? Why is this show timely or relevant? 
Exactly. I mean, shows like The Handmaid's Tale were, even if unintentionally, incredibly relevant to today's political climate. And as such, there was a much greater resonance with the story and the character and the themes to the audience watching. Uh, If you're able to tap into some kind of zeitgeist, it will help sell your show. Now, there are also cases where you don't want to touch something because it's overdone or it feels too on the nose in today's climate. Um, For example, political comedies are having a hard time these days because it's hard to be more ridiculous than the actual administration. Uh, Please don't deport me. And many shows have had to change entire storylines that they had built around assuming Hillary would win the election instead of Trump. I think Veep was one of those. Uh, As well as so many shows in development that died completely because of this this sudden shift. Yeah, it's funny because you can actually see those trends in the pilot season. So for example, a lot of shows a few years back were about AI. Or even this season, a lot of reboots are gender swapping characters. So in your pitch, you can sort of highlight why this thing is relevant now versus before. Uh, I know that Rose McGowan has a show coming up about the hashtag MeToo movement, so that's very timely. Another element that I think a lot of people forget about is why should we care about these characters and the story? What are the stakes and how is it relatable? Yeah, showing why we should care about characters on an emotional level can really bring up your pitch to another level. And I've actually read many documents, and to be honest, I've been guilty of this too in my own pitches, uh, where what is front-loaded are the more intellectual or cerebral elements of the show. Things like themes, values, and even that why here, why now element are all must-have pieces in your pitch, but they can sometimes slow down your momentum because they're essentially about explaining things not about experiencing things. So why do we care about this character? Because she's a single mother of four struggling to pay rent, uh, let alone feed her children. And then an earthquake hits, which collapses her house. And then a fire destroys everything she's ever owned. Uh, you can call it Job N, and it will air on every <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, but to be honest, at the end of the day, when you're pitching, you want to grab the person you're pitching to by the throat. Uh, figuratively, please, not literally. Uh, but you got to do that with emotions, which may mean you can Shondify it a little bit. I love my Shonda, so I'll just name drop her right there. Uh, but we should care for these people and this story. That is why we should care about these things. So please emphasize those in your pitch. Absolutely. I think too many writers assume that just because they are writing something that immediately makes it worthwhile people looking at or reading or caring about, but that's not the case. You can present an entire world and set of characters and story that uh, are ultimately meaningless because there's no stakes or that are so far removed from from anything that we have no way of relating to or caring about it. So uh, it's, it's a pretty simple trap to fall into. We've mentioned this before on the podcast, but there are a few kind of simple ways um, to have people empathize with or care about your characters. Some of those are putting them in immediate danger or as the victim of unfair treatment or circumstances, like Alex's fake pitch. Um, You can also make them incredibly skilled or gifted at what they do, Um, make them have relatable or universal wants and needs. Maybe they're going through some sort of internal struggle, they're overcoming their fears or making a change in their lives. Think about uh, This Is Us on NBC. Um, Helping or caring about other even at the cost of themselves, all of those things. You know, one of the biggest and most important things is just allowing the audience to see themselves in these characters in this world. Even if it's some crazy sci-fi world full of aliens a million years in the future, there should be something about them that makes us go, oh, I've been there. You know, I totally get what she's going through. Or I wish I had the courage to do this in my own life. And it makes us want to vicariously experience that journey through them and be invested in the outcome. Now, the next element is referencing images for characters, setting, world, mood, and tone in that pitch. And this is kind of the flip version of what we just said about using other content or expectations in your pitch. Uh, Whether it's in your pilot description, your character overview, or even your series arcs, 
you want to showcase what makes this show unique. TV is a visual medium after all. Yeah, don't be afraid to shell out a few bucks and pay an artist friend of yours to maybe do some character sketches or concept art. You know, even if it's just one key piece, it can really help sell the idea. Uh, otherwise, you know, feel free to shamelessly crib images from existing movies and shows that communicate roughly what you're going for. And in fact, sometimes people's familiarity with these characters or properties is actually a plus. If you have a picture of Sigourney Weaver in Aliens as a reference for your protagonist, everyone immediately understands what you're going for with this character and, and what type of character they will be. And that can also help break down more complex pitches or more complex ideas. Uh, I have a struggle peer piece a pilot, and in my page document, I did put a bunch of images from that time, from those historical periods, to kind of illustrate the the desolation uh, of that time. So it really brings that whole pitch to another level because uh, even people not familiar with the era, not familiar with the characters, not familiar with that world, they can immediately understand and grasp and relate to those images and those visuals. And another element that I would say is perhaps the one that is left out the most or is underserved the most is some sort of personal connection to this story. Where did the story come from and why are you telling it? Yeah, and this actually ties directly to something we've been saying about general meetings, which hopefully you've had if you're making those pitch documents. And that is you want to tie who you are with what you write. And that is an essential part of being successful in this industry. If you want to learn more about tying your own personal experiences to your own writing within pitches, I recommend listening to our Meetings 101 episode, which is PT62, which does go over some basics of connecting who you are as a person to your own writing. It's kind of the meta version of the why here, why now, except it's about you. Yeah, I mean, especially if you are a less experienced writer who someone might be taking a chance on if they went with your show or did some work with you, making your personal connection to the project clear will help them trust that you are the right person or perhaps the only person to tell this story. If a brand new screenwriter is pitching a TV show about the military, I think everyone's just base expectations is probably going to be kind of naive and surface level. But if this writer was a Navy SEAL for 20 years and has had that real life experience and hundreds of missions to draw story from, then you have authenticity and kind of endless, you know, realistic potential there. You have a franchise. You know, it doesn't even matter if your writing uh, isn't the best at that point. They just pair you with a more experienced writer and showrunner and you're still a valuable resource. And all of that is because of your personal connection to the story. And to close off this section, I did want to read the opening of the Terra Nova pitch Bible because I think it does hit all those points we just mentioned. And the show wasn't that good, to be honest, but there's a reason why it got sold in the first place so fast. And their opening page hits in a pretty overt way everything we went over until now. It begins with... At its core, Terra Nova is a family adventure show in the tradition of classic entertainment like Lost in Space, but with a decidedly sharper edge and much higher stakes reflecting the world we live in now and the shows we like to watch. In the same way that the original Battlestar Galactica sought to bring the big screen excitement of Star Wars to television, Terra Nova is ready to be your avatar for TV, bringing you to a wondrous world you've never seen before and exploring themes of action, adventure, love, loyalty, survival, and environment awareness. Also, effing dinosaurs. Terra Nova <laughs> is a land of unlimited beauty, mystery, and terror. But in this document, we are only going to focus on the mystery, beauty, and terror of season one. Isn't that beautiful? Nice. That's very effective. Short and to the point. It's short and to the point. And it's definitely not Shakespeare, but in fact, it's kind of a generic way of describing some elements of that world. But the thing is, you get the broad strokes of what the show is about. And that is all that matters for now. A pitch document is really about expressing what your show is. And this does that pretty successfully. <laughs> 
So we've just talked about what goes into your pitch document, meaning what your show is about, but how do you actually express those elements in the pitch itself? In other words, you know what to say, but how exactly do you say it? Yeah, I actually published a post on TV Calling, which I'll link in the show notes, about what I found to be a good sort of emotional structure for a pitch document. But essentially, uh, I believe that a TV pitch document is the equivalent to a sales letter, uh, which many people are gasping to right now. But you're trying to sell your show or your story or your pilot to someone else. So that means that you want whoever is on the other end of that pitch to say yes. And if you've worked in any form of advertising or sales, you know how that conversation is framed. So for those unfamiliar with the sales letter, uh, a classic sales letter can be boiled down to three parts. Now, obviously, I could get more granular than three parts, but this is the most basic overview of what is being conveyed. The first thing is that the sales letter is framed with a question. So sometimes it's a literal question. Do you need directions? Do you need to write things down? Do you need help getting noticed? The second part is about exposing and agitating the problem that the person pitched to has. You need directions because you get lost around town. Or you need to write things down because you forget your ideas all the time. Or you need help getting noticed because nobody in town is taking a meeting with you. It's like all those infomercials that come on late at night. It's like, are you constantly dropping your soup? Exactly. That's a sales pitch right there in 30 seconds. So you can do that yourself. Uh, now, the third and final part of that sales pitch is presenting the amazing solution that will save the day. You need directions because you get lost around town. So here is a fancy map that updates based on your areas of interest. Or you need to write things down because you forget your ideas all the time. So here is an amazing notebook with fancy features. Or you need help getting noticed because nobody in town is taking a meeting with you. So get represented by the best agent in Hollywood. Now, of course, a pitch for a TV show may not seem to be directly related to a classic sales pitch. And yet you can still translate that same basic structure into a TV pitch document. So let me walk you through what that can look like with actual examples from actual pitch documents. So first of all, as we said, you frame the pitch with a question. Specifically, the stories question or questions. Look at the original New Girl pitch document. Their opener outright asks, quote, what does the battle of sexes look like right now? Freaks and Geeks proposal started with freaks, geeks, jocks, preppies, farmers, motorheads, brains. Every school has them. Everybody has been one of them. So which group did you belong to? That doesn't mean you literally have to ask a question at the beginning of your pitch. You can phrase it organically within the natural description of your show, but you still have to frame your story with some sort of context to establish some kind of expectation. It's kind of like when you're writing and thinking about an episode of TV, you're often referring to what is the central dramatic question and also the central thematic question. Uh, what is going to be answered over the course of this? And now that's for an episode, and this is more for a pitch in general. Yeah, and in fact, what you just mentioned is relevant to the second part because the first step is about that question. The second part is about the problematic right, or the thematic elements of that. Well, in your example, it's an episode, but in this version, it's a pitch document. So the second step is about exposing that story's problem or rather problematics. And these are the themes and thematics that your show will explore. And they can subvert the question or more likely they will lean even more forward into that context. So if you take a look at any good pitch document, this is something you'll see not only within the first page, but probably within the first sentence. For example, the extant pitch, the CBS show, um, had a Bible that began with, 
At its core, Extent is an hour-long sci-fi drama about an extraordinary family that changes the course of human history. On a greater level, it's about how human beings in the not-too-distant future adapt to the arrival of alien races and the emergence of powerful, lifelike artificial intelligence. It's an emotional, compelling, highly suspenseful, character-driven story that takes place in a grounded sci-fi reality not far removed from our own. And the WGN show Manhattan also had a series document, and the second paragraph began with, Through the lens of the defining moment in modern history, the show will gradually bring into focus an America eerily like our own, scarred by a brutal attack on the homeland, battling a fundamentalist ideology of hate, testing its core values in a newly dangerous world. You're barely halfway through that first page of the document, and you're already invested into what that show is going to explore. And then... Once you did those first two steps, that third and last step of the pitch format is to offer the solution, which in this case is an exploration of what the content of your show is. These are all the things we talked about earlier. Why here? Why now? With whom? And what happens? Uh, Of course, all this is a broad simplification of what a TV pitch document should be about. But emotionally, that is one format that I've always found works really well. Absolutely. And on top of that, who, what, when, where, why, like we said before, those pitch documents were so clear about why it's relatable and why should we should care. The Manhattan one was talking about it's much like our own. We're exploring this world. And so we can make those, uh, those metaphors and analogies and, and experience through that. But what about the actual page, maybe micro elements? What would that look like physically on the document? Yeah, so if I open up a pitch document and I'm taking a look at it uh, in terms of the structure, the kind of things that I want to see are clear headings and sections that are literally going to say characters, character name, here's all their information, all that kind of thing. There's, there's no point in mashing it all together. You want it to be as clear as possible so that not only when someone's reading it for the first time, but when they go back to it later, and they're like, oh, what were the themes on this one about again? They can flip <laughs> to a page that literally says themes in giant letters. And along with that, you kind of want easy to read font and size. There's obviously a temptation to squish in all of the information you've got in your head about this show and all the things that happen in it. Like, how do you distill all that down? Well, you know, find a way to boil it down. You do not want to overwhelm your reader. And I I also like to see, you know, along with that, lots of white space or whatever color, I guess, your pitch document ends up being. Leave some room in between those things. And in fact, for an example of what you should probably not do, you should take a look at the treatment for True Detective. It's 10 pages of a margin-to-margin, top-to-bottom block of text with very little to no white space. And I guess it kind of fits within that novelistic approach to the show, but it does make you wonder how many executives actually read that entire thing cover to cover. Yeah, and I think, again, when we refer to a lot of these shows that have actually gone on air, these are from experienced creators, writers, people who are attached and already on board. If you're getting out there as an emerging writer and you send in something like that, no one's ever going to look at it. Yeah, in fact, on that note, I will also point out that pitches in general, and in this case, the pitch document, is maybe the one place where you are allowed, if not maybe expected sometimes, uh, to be a bit cute, and not just in the phrasing of your ideas. So, for example, a lot of pitch docs start with a quote from some historical figure to set the mood. Uh, the treatment for Jericho started with, in my opinion, a future terrorist attack against the United States is almost certain. It is not a matter of if, but when, end quote from Vice President Dick Cheney, May 2002. Now, the series document for Fargo opens with actually a dictionary definition for the word Fargo. So the two definitions are, one, a city of eastern North Dakota on the Red River east of Bismarck, founded with the coming of the railroad in 1871. It is the largest city in the state. Population, 90,100. 
And the second definition, a unique brand of true crime story, part tragedy, part farce, in which simple, good-hearted people come face-to-face with something monstrous. And I've even seen documents with diagrams to illustrate character dynamics. So that's how far you can push things. Right. Like Alex was saying, all of those cutesy little flowery poetic things that you can't do within a screenplay because it's more of a technical document, you can do here because you're trying to sell people on how exciting and cool and interesting and unique this is. Even along those lines, you can consider giving the whole document a visual theme or gimmick. For example, having it look like a newspaper with articles and headlines if it's a show about journalists. Or maybe it's a really bad PowerPoint presentation presentation for a workplace comedy. Uh, you know, Stranger Things, uh, when it, back when it was called Montauk, did a pitch Bible, and they made it look like an old kind of crumpled, pulpy, like horror story magazine from the 80s. And it was a really effective look for it. Yeah, actually, in my mind, this is kind of an all or nothing element. Either it works really, really well and pulls the reader in immediately, or they're really put off by the gimmick. And this can extend to in-person pitching with mock posters or other stunts to set that mood. And this is definitely not that all-size-fits-all idea. So I personally recommend only doing it if it enhances what your show is about instead of detracting it from it and its characters. And aside from the show itself, um, there's another little thing you can add. If you have talent on board, you can have a section about the team, you know, the writer, the director, the actors, the producer, whoever's attached. Not a lot, just enough to convey perhaps that it's in capable hands. Now, if your project is at the top tier where the talent has name brand recognition, this is usually unnecessary. In that case, the agent or producer will just mention in the email going out to studios or networks or whatever, Brad Pitt is attached to Star and Ava DuVernay will direct. They don't need a whole glossy section to sell you on that. You know who they are. But assuming you don't have those folks, it can be worthwhile to give someone a little bit of context about the creatives who will bring this project to life. For example, you might have the costume designer from The Labyrinth, who no one knows by name, but are amazed by their work. Or perhaps a DOP who's won multiple awards at Sundance. Yeah, and on that note, if you name drop or credit drop people, always try to bring it back to why this matters to your project. So in Nick's example, uh, bringing up the costume designer for the Labyrinth movie could tie nicely in a pitch for the new Dark Crystal TV show. It isn't just a random name drop, it enhances the image you're trying to give of what your show is. Okay, so that covers the structure of the pitch document, but what about the words, the prose itself? Yeah, so similar to the structure, the prose of a pitch document isn't something most writers will be used to writing, and unless you're doing some extremely serious HBO show, kind of like The Wire, uh, your pitch document probably should not read like a graduate school term paper. It should be fun, engaging, and appropriate to the tone of your show. Is it a fun and light teen show? Then being informal is a good thing, as long as you don't go into the hello fellow kids territory. Steve Buscemi meme. Yes, the front page. Now, is it a gritty, suspenseful, geopolitical thriller, you could start like the Jericho treatment after that Dick Cheney quote. It reads, The first news of the attack came just before 10 a.m. Here in a small prairie town of Jericho, Kansas, population 5,619. All eyes are fixed on the cable news networks. Televised reports of world tragedies always hit home here in the American heartland. Oklahoma City, 9-11. But this was different. Much different. (laughs) Thank you, Butch. (laughs) Uh, That's actually a great example of what we mean. This is something that's fun, engaging, and really fits within the narrative of what Jericho is about. So you know your show better than anyone else. So you should know what kind of tone is appropriate for that pitch document. Yeah, I would say especially with comedy, short and simple in your prose is better. Uh, Just like jokes and tweets, you know, if an idea is funny, it stands on its own without all that window dressing. So the cleaner and punchier, the better. 
Another thing to consider is deciding on how meta you want to go with your pitch. Are you just going to keep this content within the world and the story, or do you want to go to the level of addressing things like, we're aiming at XYZ audience and network, and here are some plans for cross-platform integration and video games to accompany it. You know, Decide on your balance of how much craft versus business you're going to be addressing in this pitch. Yeah, and to that point of aiming at X audience or network, uh, think about what is everyone's favorite topic of conversation themselves. So this holds true as well for a lot of networks. Making that one-size-fits-all pitch document is a bad idea, especially if you're going out to many outlets. You know how we keep bringing up the question of what makes your show unique? Well, this is the reverse version of that. Find out what your show can bring to that specific network or production company that you're pitching to. It all comes down to your own research and the mandates they have. And just in general, it's probably going to be a bad idea to write like, this would be perfect for HBO. And then you bring that pitch document into Showtime and they read that. So maybe don't include that and and tailor it like we've been saying to the specific needs and mandates of whoever you're pitching to. And one last thing about this whole TV pitch document thing. Even if you're not pitching your show right now or you're still developing your pilot, I would actually recommend writing a TV pitch document as an exercise. It's a great way to clarify, even just for yourself, everything you want your script to be about, your story, your characters, your themes. In fact, you could even start out by writing one or two pages to see what you might be missing. And either way, writing pitch documents is something not many up-and-coming TV writers do, but is a valuable skill to train. So if you're pitching something to your writing group, if you're pitching something to your own mother, perhaps, this is a great way to start. Yeah, I can speak from personal experience that having written a pitch document for some of my stuff, I discovered so much more about the show that I didn't even realize. I think I touched on themes that I didn't even understand were there until I was really thinking about it and trying to communicate it in a clear and simple way to someone else. What are some takeaways for this episode? So number one, understand the different forms and conventions of pitch documents, from a one-pager to a Bible or an entire pitch deck or sizzle reel. Number two, know what elements are important to include and what to leave out so that you have a concise and digestible sales pitch that does not overwhelm the reader. Number three, decide how best to express your pitch on the page for your unique project, whether stylistically in the prose, uh, visual elements, or using a full-on themed document. And do we have any resources for our listeners? Well, my resource for this episode are going to be pitch documents that are online, if you can find them, or at the Writers Guild Foundation Library. And in fact, I would recommend all the ones that we've mentioned in this very episode because they're useful tools to learn. Mm. A couple of great examples that I'll throw out there and that are almost polar opposites of each other are Montauk, which is Stranger Things, their document, which is very, uh, you know, it's drama, it's genre, it's a themed document. Um, it's not dense, though. And then there's the New Girl pitch document, which is literally just someone's opened up a word document typed out eight pages of stuff and uh, very concise and pithy and funny um, I do not recommend referencing something like the Battlestar Galactica Bible or the Wire pitch document uh, for creating one of these short sales uh, kind of pitch Bibles that we've been referring to. The Wire and Battlestar Galactica, those are more like proper show Bibles that the writers could use and refer to in the room, or at least something that was created when a show was already set up at the studio network. No one's going to read an 80-page novel of a pitch document from an unknown or emerging writer trying to sell their show. Of course not. Now, this is maybe a bit unorthodox, but continuing on that sales letter analogy, I would recommend also reading books about sales pitches, including ones by Dan S. Kennedy, like The Ultimate Sales Letter. 
Uh, Dan S. Kennedy is actually one of the most renowned marketer and some of his sales letters are legendary. So he is a great tool to learn sort of the business of sales letters, but also the structure and format and translating that to a narrative format. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. So thanks for taking the time to tune in and listen as always. Mm -hmm. You can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 82. We love your reviews and we love reading them and reading them out on the show and getting that warm, fuzzy feeling. So if you would like to leave us one of those, if you're a long-term listener or a new listener, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. You can leave us those reviews at paperteam.co slash iTunes. And as always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, questions for future episodes, you can send them to ask at paperteam.co. And next week, we are having our WonderCon panel. Wait, didn't we do this last week? Uh, Well, actually, if you missed our panel last weekend about adapting IPs to TV, or you just want to listen again to our amazing guests, we will have that recording available just for you. I know I'll be listening. I know I will again and again and again. I'll relive (laughs) this moment for eternity. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you then. See you then.